Hello, I'm Roy Sharples, and welcome to Unknown Origins podcast series. The purpose of which is to provide inspirational conversations with creative industry personalities on entrepreneurship, pop culture, art, music, film, and fashion. Today's topic is liberal arts, for which I have the pleasure of chatting with Kate Newell, who is the Dean of the School of Liberal Arts at the Savannah College of Art and Design. Her areas of research include adaptation and intersections of literature and visual culture. She is the author of Expanding Adaptation Networks, From Illustration to Novelization. This was published on Palgrave Macmillan in 2017 and has published essays on the topics of adaptation and illustration as adaptation. Hello and welcome, Kate. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well too. Thank you. What inspired and attracted you into the liberal arts in the first place? Well, I think um, that's a really great question. I think that um, my my background is in literature, even though my my specialty now is in adaptation studies. And I think that I was inspired early on um, in high school and then in college by teachers and professors who um, were, of course, passionate about what they were doing but who really kind of could, could take a work of art or take a paragraph that someone had written or a line of poetry and walk the whole class through um, just the process by which the, the writer's word choice and phrasing had produced particular patterns and effects. And I think that, um, you know, I saw these same close analysis strategies in my visual arts classes. And it just really from that, that early moment, the liberal arts just grabbed me in the way that, um, I think the liberal arts provides us with ways of looking at parts of the world really closely and seeing how they connect to, to kind of larger parts of the world and more global parts of the world. And I just, you know, ran with it and, you know, I became passionate about the other fields like psychology and anthropology. Um, but my heart has always stayed with literature, of course, and visual studies. What is your approach to liberal arts education? So I think right now, I mean, I guess it's, that's, um, that's a great, that is another great question um, because right now I'm the Dean of the School of Liberal Arts, but I've also been a professor of the liberal arts for a really long time. So I think that my approach differs based on which, which hat I'm wearing at a given moment. So um, as the Dean, my approach to liberal arts is of course to, I mean, I'm a Dean at the, the Savannah College of Art and Design. So um, liberal arts underpins all of the majors that we offer here in art and design. And I feel like, um, you know, when we think about the skills that set us up for success uh, in in the world, um, critical thinking, adaptability, curiosity, um, kind of ability to to make connections. Those are those are um, characteristics that will hold someone in good stead, no matter what they're doing, no matter what their major. And so, as a dean of liberal arts, I feel like my my goal is to always. Um, connect the liberal arts curriculum to those major programs, but also the other way around to kind of connect all the major programs in design and art and creativity to the liberal arts so that we can all see kind of how these, these pieces are all, all fold together. As a, as a teacher within the liberal arts program, when I teach classes in cinema or literature or adaptation, my goal is always to focus on those close reading skills that I mentioned earlier and close analysis and, and kind of encouraging students to see the ways um, works are kind of really, um, they're 
they can be broken down into different components and that those components all fit together in very specific ways, but also to encourage students to think about how, um, how works change if we take those components apart and put them together a different way and kind of get them to see uh, the, the constructedness, if you will, of a piece of art or a piece of, um, piece of literature. So that we, I feel like that's a really great way to learn a skill and it's a really great way to learn what's, what's um, really special about a given artist. You know, it's kind of, we can appreciate it when we see it from afar, but then when we really learn how to unpack it, it helps, I think, our own creativity, but it also helps us really um, distinguish somebody who's just exceptional from someone who's, you know, maybe a little less exceptional in their field. The book that you've, you've written, Expanding Adaptation Networks, what, what is that about? Sure. So um, in Expanding Adaptation Networks, what I've done is, um, so most of the field of adaptation studies tends to focus on um, what we think of as kind of our more traditional forms of adaptation. So novels to films would be, you know, kind of the one that comes to yeah. people's minds. Um, not, you know, uh, play to stage production, stage production to film. Um, those are really common. But what I've always been drawn to is um, print-based forms of adaptation. So I'm really interested in illustrated novels and thinking of illustrated novels, uh, not as a precursor to a better form of adaptation, but rather as uh, its own form of adaptation. And so in that book, I look at several different types of print-based adaptation. I look at illustration, novelization. I look at literary maps, pop-up books, all sorts of kind of paper-based adaptation that haven't really been concerned before or been of interest before. And what I'm doing is tracing how a work um, that's originally produced in one medium, uh, but then has been adapted multiple times, of course, multiple platforms and multiple media, and what, um, how that 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 process of adaptation, how that journey of adaptation really shapes what a cultural understanding of a work is. So when we think about um, something like um, one of the one of the works I look at in the book is um, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and when we think about uh, the many 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 different adaptations of Jekyll and Hyde over the years, um, you know we don't really within uh, Robert Louis Stevenson's novel. He doesn't really describe Hyde ever. It's kind of like he's sort of vaguely yeah. defined through vague characteristics, but the adaptations really solidify that character and they amplify it and they make him into, you know, by the time we see him in uh, what is it, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, he's this, you know, this Hulk-like character of bad behavior, you know? Yeah. And so across the, the, the network metaphor is there to really um, kind of highlight how all of these different adaptations are connected. They're all linked as cultural productions and none of them is necessarily a definitive source text. You know that that um, that adap- even though we might think of the novel as the source, that novel is being drawn from from works that came before it, and newspaper accounts that came before it, and other productions that came before it. And so that's what I try to do in the book: kind of trace how it's not just about a book and a movie that form our cultural understanding of what it means to be Jekyll and Hyde or whatever whatever book. Um, but rather it's all of these many different forms of adaptation, both big and small, that contribute to uh, what, our, what our culture understands as a, a given work of art. Your book is in the post, Kate, and I'm looking forward to getting more clued up on this domain and discovering how adaptation of visual culture b- beyond just TV and film and expanding that into genres such as mo- mobile apps, video games, interactive media, and the avant-garde play play a role. The liberal arts is a broad area encompassing history, writing, literature, psychology, sociology, philosophy, 
the creative arts and, and more. Kate, from your experience, what do you believe are the fundamental skills needed to succeed within the liberal arts? I think it goes back to, um, you know, any, you know, I think that the, the, because the liberal arts underpins everything, I think that the skills that someone needs uh, within liberal arts tend to be the skills that people need in the world. You know, certainly um, curiosity, yeah. uh, certainly um, adaptability and flexibility, openness of mind. You know, these are, I feel like that's, those are the skills Curiosity and um, open-mindedness, I think, are kind of quintessential features of the liberal arts. Um, so much of uh, what we think of as as liberal arts is really about questioning, um, question questioning kind of given norms, questioning um, given stories, and really hearing others' perspectives. Um, so I think that those are two definite skills. But I think those are skills that are transferable to any any given field. I would say also. Um, essential to liberal liberal arts and this is probably my own bias my own literary leanings but you know being an active reader and being an active writer even if you don't think of yourself as a reader or writer i think that um key to being uh, an active engaged thinker are you know continuing to read continuing to write um, and certainly those are the tools of a lot of the liberal arts as well i don't feel like you can really um foster uh, creative thinking in another person if you're not also trying to um, regularly exercise those those skills yourself. We're in a time machine now and you have the opportunity to go back and share your insights in terms of your lessons learned and your pitfalls to avoid. What would you share with a younger Kate based on what you know today? Yeah, just the one or two, right? Just the <laughs> <laughs> Um, I would you know, I've been thinking about this, uh, you know, a little bit recently, and I feel like one of the, the the pitfalls I would like to avoid, and you know, advice I would give someone, which is of course it's always easier to give advice than it is to hear it at the time yes. when you need it most. But um, I think just trusting your own ideas and not worrying so much about what other people are doing. I feel like as in when I was eighteen and I was in college, uh, I had met professors who encouraged me, so that was never a problem. But I think that I had trouble really recognizing the value of my own ideas and being afraid to put them out there. Um, and I also were, and by not worrying about what other people were doing, I think um, I was off. I would hear of uh, achievements of my my peers, and I would automatically um, think about how that it reflected on me. You know, so if a, you know if one of my one of my fellow students got something published, I would instead of just being happy for that person, I would internalize, oh, what am I doing wrong? Why is yeah. my work not getting out there? Or right. if someone got an internship and I didn't, oh, what am I doing wrong? Yeah. And I think over time, what I realized is that, um, you know, there's myriad reasons why something happens one way or another. And that, um, you know, genuinely being happy for people when good things happen to them actually feels better than <laughs> the, <laughs> the, um, the self-doubt. But I think just the, the trusting, trusting ideas and trusting what you're putting out there. And some of it's going to fall flat, but a lot of it won't. And when you give people access to your ideas, that, that support group that you build with your teachers and your professors and your, your fellow students, that's the support group that helps make your ideas really great ones. The other advice I would suggest is um, to take advantage of any opportunities you might have to meet people working in your field. Yeah. So, um, you know, my university, um, I did my undergraduate at Temple University and in Philadelphia, and they would often have um, writers come in and, and different 
speakers come in and sometimes I would go and sometimes I didn't. But a lot of the time I would rush out at the end and I wouldn't stick around for the question and answer. Um, so I would miss out on those opportunities to really kind of just take advantage of you know what the university is putting before me. And I find that at the Santa College of Art and Design, we have so many, so many industry guests come through. And that's yeah. advice I regularly offer my students. Like, don't rush out, stay around, stick, talk to these people. You know, um, that's why they're here. They're here to encourage you. And so I think those would be the two, like just in any way that people can try to develop their confidence by taking chances and meeting new people. I think that, that um, that's advice I wish that I had taken. Tilting forward into the future, what is your vision for the future of liberal arts? And where do you see the role of creativity play its part? Well, I would say creativity is going to be essential to every every field Yes. <laughs> um, moving forward. I feel like if anything... Um, you know, this past year has really taught us the need for that creativity and innovation are not just nice ideas. They're action plans for the survival of um, the, you know, just the survival of the humanities or survival of us as people and and as innovators. Um, So I think that with the future of liberal arts education, you know, I, I feel like liberal arts will continue to underpin all projects moving forward again, because of those skills that the, um, creative reading, creative thinking, creative writing, uh, just those those critical thinking skills will continue to be essential. I also feel that liberal arts um, is well positioned because it allows us to, again, when I mentioned earlier, just see the connectivity of things. Um, I feel like as we move forward and the world is um, kind of getting on its feet again with um, you know this pandemic as kind of a part of our everyday our everyday life now, we're starting to see that uh, even more than ever before, I think um, that being siloed is not working very well. And that we need to be able to forge and identify those connections. One of the people I work with likes to say um, that, that he, he likes to encourage cross training. You know, he likes to encourage um, people to not just focus on like, well, this is my job. I'm, you know, I do this thing and only this thing, but rather to recognize the connections between what they do each day and what someone else might do and try to figure out what, you know, forge those connections. And I feel like the liberal arts allows, you know, really hones those skills and develops those skills and that that's going to be essential moving forward where people can see, well, not only am I a designer, but I'm also really gifted in social media strategies or not only am I an art historian, but I'm also able to curate exhibits or not only am I a writer, but I'm also a performer, you know, people yeah. being able to really see how they connect in different, different places. And I feel like we've talked about this for a while over, you know, just with um, global, um, the global, uh, global access that's been a part of our internet connected world. But I feel like this, um, the situation with the pandemic has really um, forced people who may not have been embracing that connectivity to really try to identify those opportunities also. Innovation is around us 24 by 7, but as humans, we don't always see it. And it's the ability, like you say, Kate, to make those connections. And creativity involves being able to see what others don't, or at least until it is presented to them. And so having those skills and mindset that you mentioned previously is critical to helping us navigate and find the future. Much like innovation, creativity is one of those things that we sort of take for granted and think, um, oh, I'm creative or I'm not creative. You know, we hear people say that I'm not a creative person. I'm not a, I'm a very creative person. 
but you know really framing it this way as a like a life skill and as a you know a survival yeah. skill i think it's such a um such a wonderful way to think about it and can really opens up the the possibilities you know like what it means to be you know when we were talking before about uh and i said well, i don't know that i'm really a creative writer because i write academic writing but then i've been thinking more and more about what it means to be a creative writer and i've been thinking about um creative approaches right and we think yes. about that's what kind of um, brings it back to creativity that's really encouraging to hear kate and that you see creativity as a core life skill and it is and it should should be nurtured that way exactly like um, reading writing and arithmetic at a young age and then be nurtured all the way through not just from an educational perspective but through an individual's life experience. Well, thank you. It's been really wonderful talking with you. Thank you, Kate. To find out more about what Kate is up to, please go to the Liberal Arts section of the Savannah College of Art and Design's website at scad.edu. That's S-C-A-D dot E-D-U. Or follow her on LinkedIn. And also check out her book, Expanding Adaptation Networks, from Illustration to Novelization, which was published by Palgrave Macmillan in 2017. For more inspirational conversations with creative industry personalities on entrepreneurship, pop culture, art, music, film, and fashion, please go to unknownorigins.com. <laughs>